the Love Life and Lose Weight podcast will teach you the art and science of changing your habits around food. If you know what to do, but can't figure out why you're just not doing it, this is the right podcast for you. I'm your host, Advanced Certified Weight and Life Coach, Heather Beardsley. I've helped hundreds of women just like you figure out how to think and eat like a normal eater, lose weight, and love life on the journey to goal weight and beyond. Welcome to episode five. In this episode, we're going to talk about the secret that's keeping you stuck. For most of you, I would say it comes down to a variation of this one thing. And you're probably not going to believe me, but I want you to listen all the way through this episode anyway. And I want it to knock around in your head, give it some time. I want you to really test out what I'm going to reveal to you this week and apply it to your situation and see if there's evidence that this might be a player in your weight loss story. Okay. So before I reveal it to you, I just want to thank so many of you for subscribing and following along and for all your really nice feedback about love life and lose weight. It's been really fun to, um, tell you about what I'm doing here. And I really appreciate you being a part of it. So thank you. All right. So the secret that keeps you stuck is thinking that you can't have certain foods is what keeps you stuck. So what happens is when we think we can't eat certain foods, that just increases our desire for it. And I'm going to explain to you what I mean by that. Now, here's a medical disclaimer. I am not a doctor. I'm a coach. And this is not advice for those of you who have a medical condition where your doctor is telling you, you can't eat certain foods. <laughs> this is for the rest of us who don't have a medical condition and do relatively well eating all kinds of foods. Um, our conditioning happens for those of us without medical conditions around food about what to eat, what's acceptable to eat, what's good to eat, and especially what's right to eat for weight loss through our social conditioning, through our friends and our family and what we read in the media and just the cultural, um, messaging at large. And this is largely, I've seen this change over the years. I'm a Gen Xer who was, grew up in the seventies and eighties and the cultural conditioning back then was that fat was terrible for you. Um, eggs were terrible for you. We were all eating margarine, which was hydrogenized vegetable oil and a lot of food that today we feel very differently about, but at the time there was like these dogmas that were being disseminated through, you know, the media and the culture at large that told us like, if you have more than one egg or a few eggs a week, like you are going to have high cholesterol and all of this pseudo science around virtuous foods, a lot, much of which has been debunked. And, you know, I feel like the, the pendulum always swings from generation to generation. 
where certain foods get demonized and others get, you know, halos. And this does change. And, but what does, doesn't change is psychologically what I see with my clients, it becomes very, very obvious to a coach how a client who is told that you can only have certain virtuous foods, that you should stick to eating those kinds of foods in order to lose weight, how that creates an over desire for those foods, even if it's not apparent, like immediately. Um, I'm a great example of it myself. I had unexplained weight gain in my forties. Some of you know my story and I experimented with a lot of different approaches to eating to try to stop gaining weight. What I didn't realize behind the scenes was that I was becoming insulin resistant and my foray into being a vegan was actually making it worse because a vegan diet has a ton of carbohydrates in it, very little um, protein and some fat. But um, I was making my insulin resistance worse by such a big carbohydrate load. So I kind of figured that out with my doctor and then um, found out that I did have pre-diabetic levels of blood sugar, and I did a low carb approach. Now that was a medical condition that my doctor advised me that I should keep my carbohydrates very low. And I saw how, even though this was a medical condition for me, um, you know, when you're told you can't have something or you shouldn't eat it, it kind of becomes like even more desirable. Don't you think? <laughs> I would be really um, focused on really loving my new approach to food because I really did believe it would help me. And it did help me. It helped me reverse my blood sugars. It helped me reverse my fatty liver. But like psychologically with those foods, when I would be super hungry, maybe out and not have access to the kinds of foods that I was preferring to eat at the time, I would grab a ton of bread, especially if it was warm with butter or desserts with sugar in them. And it was almost like um, a desire that I really had a hard time controlling. So I felt the effects of um, restriction, feeling restricted around foods. And this is what... Um, happens when we're told we shouldn't eat certain kinds of foods. So the way that I teach weight loss is that for those of us without medical conditions, if you are still having some diet mentality from the diet industry that you shouldn't eat certain foods, you're going to create a um, conversation in your head of both wanting it and not wanting it. Now, that's really only going to happen for foods that you truly love and like. Um, now, this isn't always a problem. Sometimes we can just kind of get over ourselves and not lose the forest for the trees. Like when I was reversing my high blood sugars, you know, I just never, I actually started on, my gosh, was it like six years ago, right around Halloween. And I remember it was the first Halloween that I just definitely did not want any Halloween candy. I'm not a big candy person anyway. 
But the way I was thinking about it was, you know, if this is going to help me with my health situation and to lose weight, then candy is something that I'll gladly give up. But years later, I can see that I had a lot of healing to do in my relationship to those foods that had flour and sugar in them because I was in this um, mode where I was restricting them for a, you know, a good and valid reason medically. And I, I see a lot of my clients who just, you know, they had some success restricting carbohydrates um, and sugar or who knows any approach. And yes, it can work. But again, there is this psychological component where when supply is restricted, the brain has this almost primal urge to grab as much as you can when you have access to it. So think about your primal ancestor <laughs> from a few thousand years ago. You know, when she saw the watering hole drying up, I often tell the story. I don't know if I've said it before. She probably was able to survive if she had the wherewithal to grab as much water as she possibly could. And I think that drive is just still present in our human primal brains where when we think like, who knows when I'll get to have this again, you can tend to overeat it. So this is what is keeping you stuck is this diet mentality that you can't eat certain things or that you shouldn't, or even if you just have them once in a while, if you tell yourself you're bad for even wanting them or eating them, that's going to kind of set you up to fight against yourself too. So no surprise that the diet is works beautifully for the restrictive diet industry. I mean, think about it. If, if you're selling a program with points or counting things or whatever, if you demonize certain foods and then you make other foods virtuous and you're going to say, all right, this is going to be tough to do, but if you do it right and you just overcome your desire for these foods and you do it the right way without veering from it, then you'll have everything you want on the other side of being perfect with this. And of course, all the perfectionists come running, <laughs> yours truly included. I mean, I tried this. I just kept thinking like I was obviously doing something wrong or bad, or I was making mistakes. And that's why I had weight to lose. I mean, Restrictive diet programs attract perfectionists who are just trying to get things right. And perfectionists, that's a, that's a habit of thinking, perfectionism, that if you can just do it the right way, then you'll get what you want. But that's never how it works. Getting what you want is permission to be human and to believe that you can have it in a way that doesn't overtly sacrifice your humanity. You know, we are human beings. We're designed to have a taste for and a preference for foods. And I think at a minimum, we need to honor that. And normal eaters, so-called normal eaters, um, people who don't have an issue with food, maybe never had a weight problem, they allow themselves to eat the foods that they truly like without 
too much thought about the rightness or wrongness of them. And that's the place that we want to start to move toward. So how do we do that? What's the first step? The first step is to give yourself permission to eat all the foods that you want to eat. Maybe not all at one time. I think that would be counterintuitive or counter to your goals, but you know, just start slowly. The first thing that I did when my fatty liver and my high blood sugars reversed and my, my doctor told me you're no longer insulin resistant. You can eat however you want to, you know, just don't overeat. Um, of course I overate <laughs> because I hadn't allowed myself these things. So when I first had my croissant, like after years of never having pastry, like all I wanted was all the croissants, but you know, and let me just say this, the reason why this is the secret that keeps you stuck is because if you have this thinking and a lot of people do, you're so normal. If you think you can't eat certain foods and be able to lose weight, um, because you know, we're in the, all in the cult of diet mentality. We're trying to get out step-by-step step. we're walking through the door and you know, the metaphor is not lost. Like think about a cult member who realizes that her beliefs about the cult that she thought kept her safe were actually keeping her trapped. And this is what I'm talking about. It's not easy to walk away from thoughts and beliefs and actions that you think have kept you safe. But the truth is, if you haven't been able to lose your weight and you still have thoughts actions and beliefs that align with thinking that is like, Hey, I can't eat those things or I'll gain weight. Then you've got work to do my friend. And it's going to be a little scary. It's going to create some fear in you to try to take that first step and walk out of the cult. And that means planning a croissant on a Saturday morning. That's what it was for me. I was like, all right, I'm going to put it on my plan and I don't know what's going to happen. And I think for the first few weekends, like I just focused on chocolate croissants because I love them so much. <laughs> first few weekends, you know, I think I had over, I still had a lot of over desire, but I stuck with it. And then eventually I figured out, um, Number one, to really wait until I was physically hungry before I had my croissant. Like in the beginning, I just knew I was having the croissant. So all I wanted to do was have the croissant right away. Like I was like, no, no, no. I got to wait until I'm physically hungry to have it. Um, and I bought like, um, I think Whole Foods has like in the refrigerated bakery sect, there's a refrigerated section in the bakery and you can buy them like sort of frozen and then you can take them out the night before, let them defrost and rise. And then you just pop it in the right, the, uh, the oven, the toaster oven in the morning. And that's what I did. And I could just pop it in there when I was good and ready and hungry. And then the coolest thing happened after that. Like after I had the croissant, I was so satisfied. I was like, just so happy with having this delicious thing for breakfast 
And then I was like, I didn't want a sandwich for lunch. I wanted like a salad. That's, that's now my pattern. If I have something um, like a pastry that has sweetness for breakfast on the weekend, I always tend to have a salad for lunch. And then for dinner, I'll have more like a protein usually, um, maybe like a sweet potato and some vegetables or something like that. And it's just a nice, it's like created a nice balance. Whereas compare that with virtuous eating, which was I have to have eggs and bacon because that has no carbs. And then I have to have, you know, I'll have a wedge salad for lunch. And then for dinner, I would just have this like gnawing desire for like a compliment to those kinds of foods. But I kept telling myself, oh no, you can't, you got to keep your carbs low. You got to keep your carbs low. And it kind of always kept me wanting, wanting, wanting this, you know, what I wanted, which was a freaking carbohydrate now and then. So I can't tell you how much I was literally jumping up and down when I saw that I, I was tracking my weight from a Friday until Monday morning, having carbohydrates. Like I had a chocolate croissant Friday, Friday morning, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning. And I lost weight. It was like the angels saying, I was so surprised, like truly, and I'm a coach. <laughs> like I know, and this is what we all do. In theory, we're all like, oh yes, of course you can eat whatever you want and lose weight. But that's for all those other people and not me. That's the quiet little voice in my head that was always saying, no, Heather, you had, you know, you had insulin resistance doesn't work as well for you. But the truth is I never, I probably, okay, let me put it this way. The truth is, I think I drove my overeating because I was being a perfectionist with my food for years. So I had weight to lose. I was in total diet mentality, making certain foods virtuous, other foods bad. That created an over desire in my outlook on eating. And I could, I could be quote unquote good for a while, but I would always end up overeating because I was restricting my choices of foods. And this was just a long-term pattern that played out slowly over years that caused weight, weight gain and weight creep. And eventually, you know, high fasting blood sugars and fatty liver. So if you recognize yourself in my story, your work is to journal. I'm going to give you your journal prompts in a moment, but it's to consider. Remember I said, you're not going to believe me. I want you to really think about this. Am I thinking I can't have certain foods and lose weight? Am I restricting my choices for foods? And just check it out, like try it out. Have a close listen to the thoughts you think when the choice to eat certain foods comes up, especially the foods that you have some negative thoughts about, you know, historically. So I do want to say, of course, that foods are nutritionally different. 
you know, kale has a completely different nutritional profile than chocolate croissants. Of course, not only that, but each person has a different physiological response in their body, like how it feels in their body when they eat certain foods. And that's going to vary from person to person. So there is some individual individuality here with how certain foods do affect us, affect our inflammation, affect our amount of bloating. Like, of course, if you have a dairy allergy or sensitivity, say, um, you're, you're always going to feel bloated and maybe gain weight after you have some dairy. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not addressing that part of it. I'm just saying foods that you don't have a negative response to in your body. If you really want them and desire them, but you haven't been letting yourself have them, your job, your work is to start slowly. Like just here's my advice. Pick some seasonal favorites, make a list. Like it's at, at the time of this recording, we're in the fall season. Some of my favorite foods in the fall are like butternut squash. I love acorn squash stuffed with um, like sausage mix. Sometimes I make it like that. I love butternut squash. I have a butternut squash salad that I make with like a maple um, dressing. It's delicious. And anything also made with apple. Love apples, apples with pork chops. I love apples, um, in like, um, a tartine, a French, like French pastry with apples. It's my favorite. And I make sure when I'm in that season that I am planning when I'm, when I'm making my overview plan of my food for the week, I work in at least two or three favorites usually at least one savory and two more sweet types of foods in my week. And this is really great for my brain because it tells my brain, we get to eat the things that we really love to eat. And then it takes, that takes all the tension down because my brain gets really happy and excited. Like, okay, we're going to have like a, that French tart. I saw at that beautiful French bakery. We're going to go on Friday on your day off. And I get super excited. And then during the week when it's more like typical food that I have, like, I know like the, the apple tart is coming. I like stoke my desire for it. I get so much satisfaction knowing it's coming. I'm not living in this desert of restriction all the time. Um, and this is the call for you. Like, how is your food lifestyle? Does it feel like a barren desert or is it like filled with food that, you know, nourishes you and, you know, sustains you and some highlights too that are really joyful and taste amazing. Um, okay. So I will say one way that I also want to point out for you to, to give you an indication if you are restricting certain foods is if sometimes you notice you have a pattern of grabbing the food from a, like a really urgent in the moment urge for it. An example would be if you're at work and you see donuts in the lounge or whatever, if there's sort of no thinking about it and you just walk over and you grab a donut or two. 
and you kind of like squirrel it away. That is a, a very good indication that you have a brain that's feeling restricted around food. That grabbiness is an indication that you, you're not giving yourself permission to eat those kinds of food and um, that you probably want to. So I would journal about that too. Um, all right. So to kind of wrap this up, this isn't a problem unless you're not planning foods that you truly want to eat. Like some of you may not give a rat's ass about a chocolate croissant. It doesn't call you. You don't want it. It's no big deal. You'd rather have your kale salads. Great. Have your kale salads. All I'm talking about is food that you really do want to eat, but you're, you're demonizing in your head as bad foods or foods that will block your weight loss. So, um, okay, let's talk about your homework. So your homework is to get in there this week and plan one to three foods that you typically don't plan ahead for. Like if they're kind of like just oops eats or you grab them in the moment um, or you've just never let yourself have them. So plan it in a studied way. And I want you to eat, of course, always the foods that you plan to eat. You want to eat them when physical hunger is present. You need to, any food you eat, you need to be physically hungry before you have it. And then I want you to really enjoy the food while you eat it. And the goal is always with any food to stop before you're full. And um, also what many people do is they will just kind of eat their meal and then try to, if it's a dessert, try to like get that dessert in after. But a lot of times if the meal leaves you already full, then you will not be having your dessert with um, physical hunger present. So you have some choices here and don't freak out, but I'm just here to let you know that you can always have dessert for your meal. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't be having an agenda to fit in foods until we're full and then expect ourselves to lose weight. So you have a limited capacity in your stomach when you're hungry for a certain amount of food to go in there. It's like prime real estate. And you've got to make powerful decisions about what you're going to choose to put in that real estate because only so much fits. So when I'm saying eat the foods you want to eat, I don't mean after you're already full of, you know, the planned dinner that you had, if you're looking at planning a dessert. Like you've got to figure out a way to have the dessert to fill your stomach, but not to full. So some of my clients will have their dessert first. And if they have any room left over before they're full, they'll have some dinner. You could try it the other way around. Sometimes it's hard to stop when you're having dinner and it's good and you're enjoying it. It's hard to leave enough room to then feel satisfied to have the amount of the dessert that you want. But this is where the art comes in. This is where the practice comes in. This is where you're getting your proverbial hands dirty in the arena of real weight loss. That's not restrictive. 
Like it's really honoring that real estate of your stomach and making powerful decisions about enjoying every single thing you put in there, including foods that you've not been giving yourself permission to eat. So another tip, no more saying or thinking to yourself, I can't have that. I shouldn't have that. Or I'm bad if I did have it. If you say I can't, and I shouldn't have that, you're acting like somebody who is in food jail and you're a victim of your circumstances. All human beings who are free and not in jail have free will and choice about what they eat. Okay. You are not in a cult. You are free to choose. And if you want to have a normalized relationship with food, if you want to become more of like touch base with that, your roots as a normal eater, then you've got to give yourself permission to make choices. Like everything you put in your mouth is your choice and it's your responsibility. You know, as the manager of you, you have a responsibility to feed yourself, feed yourself with integrity and meet your needs and your desires and your natural preferences for foods. And when you do that over and over and over again, you create this trust that within yourself that you will be well-fed and you will feed yourself food that truly satisfies you. In my experience with clients, true satisfaction with food is a range of foods where none of them are demonized. Okay. So let's talk about your coach homework. I have a few questions for you to write in your journal about this week. And as you think about the concepts we've talked about here today. So the first one is what foods have I demonized as bad for me? or that cause weight gain? What foods have I demonized as bad for me or told myself that caused me to gain weight? Number two, is this just diet thinking or have I actually experimented with this to see if it's true? Is this diet thinking or have I actually experimented with this to see if it's true? Okay. For the foods that you identified for question one, what foods? I want to know for question three, how often are you choosing to eat them now? Or how often are you giving yourself permission to have those foods now? Like just do a review in your mind. Question four is how often do I want to eat those foods? How often do I want to eat those foods? So the um, question three and four I want you to see the difference between how often you're allowing yourself to have these foods and how much you actually want to eat them. Is there a big difference there? If there is, then you got to start planning the foods. 
eating them to enough, <laughs> eating them with your hunger and just seeing what happens. You got to prove it to yourself. I can tell you a hundred thousand times that you can lose weight eating all the foods, you know, as long as you're, you're, you don't have a medical condition, you should be fine as long as you don't overeat them, but you won't believe me until you prove it to yourself. So that's your work. Okay. Um, final question is what do I want to give myself permission to eat this week? So this is where you make the powerful decision to plan at least one food. Okay. Now I want to know what you guys are doing. So why don't you join me over on Instagram? I'll put a post there after this episode comes out. Um, you can find me at thrive in midlife on Instagram. I'll put a post there. Tell me what food you gave yourself permission to eat this week. And, you know, how did it go? Let me know. If you have questions, you can put them in a comment on that post and I'll do my best to answer you. And we can keep the conversation going over there. Okay. So remember your seasonal favorites and think about, you know, what's nice to plan. So thank you for joining me for this episode. I look forward to um, hearing from some of you about what you're planning and really working with this um, limiting belief that you can't have certain foods and lose weight. Let's overcome it. Let's drop the resistance to weight loss and really start to do this one thing that could really be getting in the way for you and getting rid of it. Okay. That's all for now. Stay focused on what you want and so long. Hey, if this episode resonated for you, then let's connect. Visit hbeardsley.com forward slash subscribe. That's H-B-E-A-R-D-S-L-E-Y.com forward slash subscribe and get on the list. You'll get a free gift, periodic coaching, plus advance notice of in-person events and workshops.